If you paid attention to social media and sports media for the latter, or I guess for the last several days, you will hear about a former NFL player deceiving the people of Mississippi and operating solely for his best interest. Oh, you thought I was talking about Brett Favre? Nah, he only stole millions and continues to work and operate with very little public scrutiny commensurate with his actions. I'm talking about this slick-talking, swagger-filled, charismatic figure who you heard in the intro known as Primetime, or by his government name, Deion Sanders. But before we get into him, I want to ask y'all a question. Are you familiar with the magical Negro trope? See, the magical Negro stereotype serves as a plot device to help white protagonists get out of trouble, typically through helping white character recognize his or her own faults and overcome them, and teach them to become better person or better people rather and although the character may or may not have magical powers the magic is ostensibly directed towards helping and enlightening a white male character it actually derives in its beginnings from the late 15th and early 16th century spanish comedia comedia de negros and the depiction of the black quote-unquote savior soldiers who reinforce the stereotype of the support supposed greater strength and integrity of the africans these include the El Padrigo Ethiopia and Ed Negro Mahara Lope Vega Valentino. But what does it have to do with today? Well, I'm glad you asked. Life often imitates art, or in vice versa, art imitates life. And we as society often place our imaginations of people and things based on the societal construct of pop culture and understanding. Inherently, we love to love projecting our hopes and wishes on things and people who, if you step back from it, realize that they never really deserve that praise in the first place, or even just being put on that pedestal, despite the fact that they may tell us that they are our savior. And if you really evaluate them for who they are and who they've always been, they are for the you know they most likely adhere to their cause rather than your ideals. We are so internally broken and disconnected as a society that we look for saviors in admittedly flawed individuals. It's why a casino owner can con himself into the White House. But before you jump down my throat and say, damn, Kamara, are you really comparing Deion Sanders to Donald Trump? I want you to hear what I'm saying. The seduction of persona will always trump analysis. Pun intended. 
That's not to say Dion didn't make an incredible impact on Jackson State and the local community of Jackson, Mississippi. And we will get into all the incredible things he accomplished in his stewardship of that program. But I want us to really take a step back and think about the conversation surrounding his exit. Was Dion really supposed to magically change college football culture, more specifically HBCU culture? Has a guy who made a music video called Must Be The Money showed you that it was anything but the increase of the Dion profile? Are we holding him to the same standard of white cultures, white coaches who do the same thing or college sports through that matter? Has Dion showed loyalty to anything beyond his own brand? Do we agree that the system is unfair before Dion and would be unfair after Dion? Is this a superpower that we didn't know he possessed? Is he this magical Negro that is going to bring HBCU culture to Boulder, Colorado, giving them the giving them our essence, showing them the era of their losing ways and transform them, transform them into a power five champion? How do we as a culture escape the ideal of placing our burdens and insecurities on the shoulders of high profile individuals? And are we no better than the white people who did the same to black characters in the films? I'm not going to say that Dion really didn't have to decide to jump to a power five. And I'm not even going to try to, you know, get on his case about whether or not he was fair or was unfair. But I really want us to have a fair, honest conversation about what Dion is and what he's doing and the nuance behind that. Because honestly, if we're being really, really careful about it, Dion really didn't do anything wrong. But that doesn't mean he didn't operate in the wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? Two different things. But we have to be careful and to be fair. Because honestly, if we're looking at it and we're being fair about how, how it's evaluated in society and we're fair about how everything is being looked at, we have to look internally about ourselves and whether or not we're being truthful about what's happening and what's being put forth. We have to ask ourselves, what's being purported to us? Was it the profile was it the swag what made us lose our consciousness about what was happening i know it must be the money welcome to Culture bias my name is kamara williams i know this is a special podcast because honestly i really am not supposed to be doing that i told i keep saying i'm retired but i really am not retired but you know um i'm back here once again and i'm actually going to be joined by two individuals uh, who, you know, I was getting ready to get into a pod. Well, actually, I was getting ready to get into a conversation with one of them. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to go ahead and do a pod. Uh, it's my boy, Rob. And first of all, say, say what's up, Rob. What's up, Cam? What's up? And uh, my boy, Isaiah, who texted me this morning, I think it was like 7.30 in the morning, like, yo, bro, you're going to do a pod. Let me know. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I didn't even know. And then, Isaiah, you were like the... First person, and then it was like three more people after that. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I guess I'm going to do a pod, bro. What's up, Isaiah? What's up, man? Well, what's up? Happy to be back. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, um, Isaiah, man, I want to get your thoughts, man. Like, what do you think about everything? Like, you know, Dion and its entire stuff. Like, I know you just, you had a bunch of opinions that <laughs> just... You know, what are you, you know, this, this entire thing. And it, by the way, your, your background, you came from Florida State. So you are a seminal true and true. Uh, yes, I am. Okay. 
and, and a little bit more background about me, just to be fair, right? Right. So Deion Sanders is my favorite player of all time, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up, uh, I never idolized anybody but my dad, but I grew up enjoying Deion Sanders. Uh, Deion Sanders and Emmett Smith. Just so happens I have to be happen to be a member of Phi Beta Sigma, which Emmett Smith is a part was a part of, or is still a Sigma. And I happened to go to Florida State University, which Deion Sanders went to. So I kind of you can see kind of the influence there. Um, but uh, also my car, my Tesla, is Primetime 3.0. It's the third car I've ever had. And all I do is when I get a new car, I just name it Primetime and just mm-hmm. update the did the thing. So Dion has had a major impact on me. Right. As far as what I believe or how I feel about his move, I think it's the move that he always said he was going to make. Right. Um, he's always told people that he will entertain Power Five jobs, and then people are just kind of blown away, I guess, now because he took a Power Five job. And um, I did a podcast specifically on Florida State in the state of Florida State football because we sucked for a long time. <laughs> and one of the things I talked about was the top H, the top player, uh, the recruit, Travis Hunter, that flipped from Florida State to go to Jackson State. And how I talked about, man, Dion was messed up for that. I know what Dion was trying to do. All that type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about that. And I told people that Deion Sanders was just simply waiting for a, for a Florida State's head coaching job to open up, and he'd just go to Florida State. The problem is Florida State just happened to have a really good year, and so they couldn't – they didn't fire their coach, which Deion was hoping. So he took the next best Power 5 job, which was Colorado. Um, and I just don't have a problem with it. He's done everything that he said he was going to do at Jackson State. He never said he was going to stay forever. Right. So I'm not really understanding why everybody's so upset and up in arms on this thing. So before I get, thank you, Isaiah. Before I get to Rob, I want to play the clip that Isaiah is re- referencing. Okay, okay, go yeah. for it. Of course, yeah. as these other schools would have. The cinematic version of the story has Coach Prime sticking it out at Jackson State as the program grows on par with those of the Power Five. The reality, it may not be long before he takes his gold whistle to a school that doesn't need to beg for resources. What happens when a Power Five school says, give us a number, we'll make it work? I'm going to have to entertain it. You are? Yes, I'm going to have to entertain it. Straight up. I would be a fool not to. Sanders says he needs to look after his assistants, who are wildly underpaid by college football standards. Of course. So, so that's, you know, the what um, Isaiah is referencing. So, Rob, now I want to get your thoughts. Um, yeah. You've been sitting patient. Uh, background, you are an HPCU alum. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of your history, if you don't mind. Just Go a quick, quick. Uh, HBCU alum who actually got accepted into a PWI. I'm gonna let you. Sure now, did. I'm gonna let you now go ahead and and you chose to go to HBCU. Yep. So yep. go ahead. So yeah. came from the Maryland DC area. Was accepted. There were two top schools that I had before enrolling in uh, college in uh, University of Tennessee in Knoxville, Tennessee, SCC school and North Carolina A&T. University of Tennessee actually offered me more scholarship money. Mm. But 
I had a good friend of my dad's, a good friend of the family, um, kind of had a conversation with me and spoke to the importance of representation and the kind of set the picture and the tone of the experience I would feel at an HBCU mm. and how it it is a more of a family environment mm. and how it's I, my, even though I'm going out of state, it would feel like I'd have all my aunts and uncles right there supporting me and supporting my growth mm. and development as a man. And that conversation stood with me so much that I decided to turn down Tennessee and the additional money that they were offering and enroll with North Carolina A&T. Wow. With all that, now to align to this conversation, avid football fan. Um, Isaiah, you said your uh, Dion was your favorite player growing up. Mine was Jerry Rice. <laughs> Another mm-hmm. member of Five Beta Sigma. That, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Much <laughs> respect. Much respect. <laughs> um, and growing up, I loved those battles between Jerry Rice, the greatest wide receiver of all time, and Deion Sanders, the greatest cornerback of all time. I love those battles. Um, you know, and then to the point when Deion actually joined the 49ers and they teamed up together. Uh, Which so, we'll get into that whole percent thing, but go ahead. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I'm going to speak from the point of view of an HBCU grad and an avid football fan who has been following Dion and Prime or Coach Prime throughout his whole football career and coaching career as well. So I'll leave it at that for now. Okay, perfect. So, you know, before we even get into the whole like – Dion thing um, I'm gonna ask you guys a really Off the wall question What is your definition of a sellout <laughs> uh, Who do you want to start who, who do you want to go I'll, I'll start it first Okay. The, the, what a sellout is The person who is a betrayer A person who betrays mm. Somebody or some Or a group of people Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. In order for you to betray someone, mm-hmm. you have to you have to basically tell a lie, essentially. Right. Yeah. So a sellout is a person who is deceitful mm-hmm. and cunning to the point where it betrays his particular promise to someone else. Right. Yeah. So Bill, Benedict Arnold, a sellout, he's a traitor. Right. You know, somebody who. Who, who who will make a promise and then do the complete opposite for its own financial gain or own betterment is a sellout. Mm. That's a sellout. Okay. I'll, I'll, I couldn't have said it better um, to Isaiah, and I'll take it even further. A sellout is somebody who is very well aware of the intentions and the actions that they're taking and which leads to that deceit and that deception. Um, Someone that's naive, honestly, genuinely naive is not a can't, I don't think qualifies as heavily as a sellout because they just may not be unaware of their actions and, and there's no intent to hurt another group 
or the intended group that they're betraying, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, so I agree with Isaiah that there has to be a level of understanding. There has to be a level of betrayal. There has to be a level of deceit in play to be considered a sellout. Okay. So with that being said, right, when Dion and I'm just paying, you know, uh, uh, I mean, it's kind of devil's advocate. I hate that term, devil's advocate, but let's looking at it perspective, right? Um, when he came in and he's, you know, used this thing like it's God given. You just, you know, it's God given. I'm I'm coming in to, to change the way things are, and, and you know, this is a this is ordained, and this is things are, and I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm he's he's belying himself as the savior of Jackson State and HBCU football culture and swag and swack and all that other stuff, right? Um, is it understandable the emotional reaction that people had to Dion saying, "Oh, okay, well, I'm going on to." greener pastures it's it's understandable but he never said how long he was going to be there at what point did he say i'm gonna i'm going to plant my flag in the swack at jackson state university and i am going to spend the prolonged of my career here building up hbcus he never said that Right. He never said that. Right. And he also, said, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to give you 110%. I'm going to give my all. I'm going to give, you know, my efforts, my my persona, my connections. I'm going to do everything I can for this university, for this conference, for this culture. Hmm. Now, what you choose to do with it, if I decide to move on, to the next stage in my life is up to you. But while I'm here and nobody, everybody, and that's my thing, there were no arguments and there was no dissension against him while he was there. Right. It's all backlash because you don't like the alternate route that he took. So that's my that's my take on what about you know he never said he was going to be here forever right my my biggest thing is Dion says he's ordained and whatever like that in the same sense that I be saying I'm ordained like I'm God put me put me in this position to work here God made me go to family college law God did this God did that but God be moving people too mm. and God be moving forcefully and willfully yeah. right I've been fired before. Right. And God to move me out of where I was ordained to be at that particular period of time and where I where I could make influence at that particular period of time. That's what Dion is referring to. Right. If you follow him, he has, he's when he came to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. God put me here. Da, 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 thank God. Da, da, all that stuff. Get on the NFL Network. Same stuff. Do do prep academy. Same stuff. What he's saying is God places me in certain spots to make a certain impact. I make it and I move to the next. Now, let's be honest. If FSU opened up, would he just be like, I'm planting my flag and staying here? Did all the impact I'm making? Yeah, yeah. But I think I can't get into his mind where where it's Dion sees the process. It is like this. I'm going to keep taking every single opportunity that God gives me to make my impact. And eventually I will get to where I'm supposed to be. 
That's what it looks like Dion does. And so, again, just like Rob said, he never promised to stay the whole time. He's been vocal. We've known that Deion Sanders has been interviewing for jobs since year one. <laughs> right, right. He's always. Well, let, let, but let's let's just, let's keep it a buck, right? So the idea that, um, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he he aligned it with the fact of like it's like, you know, he he did not like how Dion went about it, and he said like, man, you know, he is like talking like I don't want to downgrade women, but let's say he just talk like talking to a woman. You kind of telling her all these things, whisper in her ear, telling her you're gonna do all these things, do all these things, and then like you know what I mean. And then when you get your benefit, like I'll move on to better, bigger, and better things. You know, I'm moving on to a better prospect, right? And it's like that's the difference between a pimp and a man who'd be like just outline telling the woman, and you know, this is what it is. I'm not really trying to be with you like that. Like you know, now if you want to be, if you want to be down with me, if you want to rock with me for this little bit, and we can have a mutually beneficial experience together let's do that you know but in the meantime between time you know let's just make sure we're clear about my intentions i'm here for a long i'm here for a good time not a long time you know what i mean to quote drake you know and so um and just being honest about the upfront and my thing my my response i listened to him my response to that is who's that to blame let's say somebody like dion let's say you succumb to the showmanship and the salesmanship of dion right and be like he i'm i love you i'm gonna stay here i'm gonna be i'm gonna build you up and all that you blame dion or you blame yourself for believing that <laughs> because dion ain't never been nothing but loyal to dion like this man literally when he went to san francisco rob you mentioned you love those battles when he and then when he got on he was literally called a mercenary like the San Francisco 49ers got him and he called this is a mercenary hire. Like, you know what I mean? Like there was no long-term effect of him actually being a San Francisco 49er. So throughout his entire career, it's been based on the Dion show. This man took himself out of a football, went to a football game and then went to a, a Atlanta Hawks, I mean, Atlanta Braves playoff game and tried to play in a playoff game after playing in a football game. The amount of ego it takes to do something like that, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it we can't even fathom, right? And so, it's never been about team. It's been about Dion. You know, Dion is yeah. They may know I and D, team, but there's definitely I and Dion. You know what I mean? And so, I think people. I I just didn't understand people's reaction to his movement. I didn't understand. I'm like, are we talking about the same guy? But this yeah. is my other thing, right? Yeah. I know people say it's all a bit about Dion. Well, we go back to Dion Sanders in this Florida State dorm room when he came up with the nickname of Primetime, right? Mm-hmm. He's been doing that gimmick for the sole purpose of trying to put attention on him. So he's played the villain for quite some time. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard anybody say anything negative about Dion Sanders. No. Dion Sanders and Jerry Rice didn't get along in Dion Sanders' year. And San Francisco because Jerry Rice is basically anal. We got to practice. We got to do this. Da, da, da. Dion's like, look, y'all not winning games because y'all not even having fun. Yeah. You know, like let's yeah. have a little bit of fun here. Yeah. Nobody's ever said that Deion Sanders was not a good teammate. Never heard it. Tried to. I tried to search everywhere on YouTube to see if somebody has something negative to say about Deion Sanders. It's interesting that 
Nobody had anything negative to say. The last person that I could catch on a YouTube that, that says something negative to Deion Sanders got a water bottle squirting on him. That was so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to keep it. You know what's so funny you should say that? It, Isaiah is really, really funny. I'm going to tell a funny story about me. Um, in high school, I went from Center High School to Wood Creek High School. And Wood Creek was a better football team. And um, I had some success at defensive back at center, but you know I went to the best school at Wood Creek. Um, it was a newer school and everything. Wood Creek, I didn't. Prior to that, I did not know that Wood Creek had never won a game. Mm. Never won a game. Right now, throughout the summer practice, I was kind of I was really ignorant because I was used to winning at center, right? And so I kind of like throughout the practice. Like, I saw them, like, these guys are always so sour and everything. I was like, man, we got to start having fun. Like, I started to bring, you know, I tried to bring the energy and the swag and, like, all that other stuff. And then, because I, I love Dion, I said, yo, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm, I started taking on the persona of prime time. Like, I'm prime. You know what I mean? I'm Dion Sanders. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I literally said that. Now, I'm in high school, I'm an ego. Rob, can you believe I was egotistical in high school? Can you believe that? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, you be- can you believe that? That I would take on a persona of Dion Sanders? I mean, that's unfathomable, right? So, not Mr. Humble himself. Yeah, not Mr. Humble. I'm, I'm the most humble person you're ever going to know. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, so I literally took on this persona, right? And so I remember um, we were on a team bus heading to our first game, and everybody on the bus was so quiet. And I'm not used to that. I'm used to, like, you know, but if you've been on a team bus before a game, everybody's rowdy, like, yeah, like, you know, you're getting hyped up for the game. Like, yo, we're about to do this. So everybody's so quiet. And I looked around, I'm like, yo, why is why everybody so quiet on this bus? He said, we, we use this time to be to think about our game. I said, yo, that's why y'all losing. Y'all acting like you're going to a job interview. I said, I'm going to have fun, man. I'm about to go bust ass at this game. Like, I was talking mad cash money shit on that bus. To the point, the coaches were looking at me like, what is wrong with you? And I didn't care because I was like, I'm the best player on this team anyway, so I don't care. I'm the best guy. So I was telling everybody, I was getting everybody hyped. Like, and I'm in the locker room, get them hyped. Like, yo, let's get that swag going. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yo, let's get energy. We get on the field and I could tell like they're bouncing now. Like, you know what I mean? Cause they're, they're used to this different type of energy. And, um, you know, it was really, Oh, this was, and this is how ignorant I was. It was on that bus. I was like, yo, like, what are y'all doing, man? And they were like, well, we never won a game before. This is, a, I, this is the first time. I went through entire summer practice. I remember the entire history program. I never knew they'd never won a game. Mm. And I said, yo, well, today's going to be the day. Y'all going with the first game. Y'all, we're going to win a game today. And I remember um, I busted the receiver's ass on the uh, – I was a defensive back. And um, I remember at halftime, the guy, like, he, he was, like, hit me on the chest, like, yeah, I'm feeling good. And it was at the end of the game, but, of course, we won. I got an interception, I got a fumble recovery, got a touchdown that game. And then one of the kids was like, yeah, you really are prime time. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I took on that whole persona, you know what I mean? And so I, I was like, I, from that moment on, I, I loved Dion. You know what I mean? Because he was the embodiment of what I wanted to be like on a football team. You know what I mean? Like that guy who talks shit but has swag, but also like who backed it up because he was so good, you know? And so, like to your to your point, Rob, I studied Dion. Everything everything Dion did at that point, I I became I studied him from the way he way he guarded corner uh, uh, receivers to the way he like positioned his foot on the field. Like I literally studied that man. 
you know, to the point where I studied him even post career, you know, mm-hmm. just like you did, Isaiah. Like, you know, what I mean, like everything Dion did, I wanted to be just like Dion. You know, obviously, I didn't turn out to be like Dion at any point, but you know, <laughs> and 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 that's a great point. So, to the point, Dion never does anything small. Mm-hmm. Yep, he never does anything small. Um, from playing career to NFL Network, mm-hmm. from NFL Network to head high school coach, was he ever an assistant in high school? No, no he actually owned Prep Academy. Yeah. Uh, so he wasn't even, you know, he was, he was basically the CEO before it went into solvent. CEO, head coach of a, his own prep academy, then goes to a HBCU to be the what? The hey, head coach. Then goes to a Power Five conference school now to be the what? Hey, the head coach. Mm-hmm. The first African American HBCU head coach to jump directly to a head coaching gig at a power five school. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, the first question that's asked, if you want to leave uh, HBCU head coaching job, Oh, what assistant coaching job would you like to have in a power five? Mm-hmm. Not what head coaching job, right? <laughs> what assistant coaching job would you like to have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything prime does. He does it big. But Prime's gonna do it in his time. So I'm gonna give you an I'm gonna give you a opposing view. Somebody mm-hmm. um it's a from someone who did a Facebook post, right? This is a uh uh a Jackson State alumni. I was in attendance at the SWAC championship game cheering on JSU Tigers. With all the rumors circulating the program, I watched these young men go out there and win a second SWAC title in two years. I was ecstatic in the stands. Then I look over to the man who told us that God brought him to Jackson State to invoke change. Coach Dion Primetime Sanders. He didn't have a, a look of jubilation or happiness on his face. He looked annoyed. He looked distracted. He looked like he had somewhere else to be and wasn't at the Veteran Memorial Stadium. It was almost like he couldn't be bothered to celebrate with his team. He skipped the post-game press conference. We later find out it was for an emergency meeting where he told those young men that he was leaving. Then he rushed off on a private plane to Boulder to tour the facilities at University of Colorado to smile and hobnob with his new boss and team. See that with my own eyes, it was disappointing. I appreciate what Coach Prime did at Jackson State. I truly do. I knew he would he would leave eventually because even though he told us himself that God had sent him to JSU, JSU to elevate HBCUs, he also said he would entertain offers. I accepted this fact. But to see the looks on the faces of the administration players and the fans after his hurried departure it stuck with me it's not so much about him leaving it's how he left well i think one we have to be careful this is the biggest thing with me man because i would get called like a sellout uncle tom and all this other stuff like that for things i might say or how i like look at some things okay. like that we always have to be careful with inferring feelings or emotions on a person when you're not in that person's mind just because you see them with a look of annoyance, you don't know whether or not deep on his mind is, I got to talk to my players and this might hurt some of their feelings. Yeah. Forget the administration. Deion Sanders does not care about JSU's administration. Right. I'm just going to be 100% with you. He only cares about the students, the players that came to play with him, play for him and the other assistant coaches with him. Right. He also cares about his assistant coaches. He's he's emphasized that. He's already told 
He's already told people at the University of Colorado, hey, I'm bringing some dogs with me. Some of y'all might want to just hop into the portal. So we don't know whether or not Dion was hyper-focused on, hey, I've accepted a job and I need to tell these young men after they won their championship I'm that gonna, I've accepted. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I, I love that. Like We have to stop projecting our own internal insecurities onto because we don't know what's going on through this mind. If you've ever gone through a breakup with somebody and you're the one breaking them, that breaking up with that person, that is not a conversation you look forward to, right. even if you're ready to move right. on. Like, especially when that person didn't do anything to just really deserve the breakup. It's just like you're just past it now. You're not mm-hmm. you're not at that space anymore. You're like, hey, I'm ready to I'm ready to move forward. I'm sorry. You know. I I understand that commenter's pain. Coming from an HBCU and being a fan of athletics at an HBCU, you can ask anybody, any alum, when it comes to cheering for football, basketball, the major sports, it's, yeah, I attended North Carolina A&T, but I root for the University of Maryland. Mm -hmm. Oh, I attended Jackson State University but I root for the University of Alabama because they're the only ones I get to see Friday night, Saturday night on ESPN, on the main stage. So coming from an HBCU, it's tough. It's tough being an alum of an HBCU and not being able to wholeheartedly root for your team in, 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 in no matter what the stage is. Because we're forever going to be considered second class. We're the side piece. Right. We're the FCS conference or whatever they want to call us and everything. You have to have ESPN Plus to even watch our games on Saturdays right. and everything. We're never going to be on ABC right. unless it's the unless it's the the you know the uh, end of the year bowl game or something to that effect. So I get that pain. Um, and for a moment in time, you felt, I think they felt that with prime, he could change that, that Jackson state would be on prime time on ESPN, that we would be the talk of a nation. He had college game day come to Jackson state this past year and host the, the, the annual, you know, the weekly premier college game show on on saturday mornings they went to jackson state for their big rival game Mm. and everything and you get encouraged by that because it makes you stand a little taller and walk a little prouder and have a little bit more pride for your hbcu so from that aspect i get the pain Mm. i get the hurt I get the hurt that these people have and these these alum and these fellow HBCU alum that they have regarding. I thought that you were going to be the one to kind of lead us into a next, a new, a new generation, a new cycle, a new age, a new era of black football that we've only dreamed about for so long. So, a lot of points in there. I want to kind of pull from that. And I'm sorry, Isaiah. Do you want to jump in? Because I, I really want to delve into what Rob 
this happens. It's just, it's just, I think people were just looking at, if you're a JSU alumni, trust me, as a Florida State alumni, I feel your pain. But let me explain what Jimbo Fisher did. Jimbo Fisher left a Christmas tree outside yeah. and left Florida State. Let me, if, if you went to University of Cincinnati, let me tell you what, what uh, what's his name? Brian Kelly Brian did. Brian Kelly did, yeah, yeah. Left in the middle of the night. Yeah. Didn't even tell players. Yeah. Neon went and sat down and told people, hey, look, you're going to hear from me. I'm leaving. That's something that even coaches at the top level don't even do. Yeah. So I get it. I'm gonna be real, JSU. Y'all been spoiled by Dion. Because as a Florida State fan, Mike Norvell could leave tomorrow. And I'd be like, Well, <laughs> it looks like we gotta go pay that $30 million to go get Dion. Like it's that 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 would that could be something. That is a real reality in this particular like sport. It's dirty. And I pose this question, Kamara, on on uh my Facebook. What do HBCUs want? They're supposed to serve the community, right? But they're not supposed to be there for financial gain. Mm. See, you're looking at what these PWIs are doing, these Power Five schools are doing. Understand that is cutthroat. That is put 5K inside a kid's McDonald's bag so you get a recruit. Is that really how you want to be? So, look, I want to get, I want to get into that. I want to get into that. But let me just first delve into like. Because that's a really good point, right? And I really want to dive into the into the, the mechanics of like college football culture and the, you know, maybe I guess the uneven standards or thought process of like what HBCU like they're really trying to compare themselves. So, but I will I want to get into this insecurity, Rob, of being an HBCU alum and in PWI. You know what I mean? Like, what is it behind the inherent like insecurities behind HBCUs and PWIs, like as, as an alum, as, and then Isaiah, you can jump in as somebody that's an alum in a PWI. Like, would you see it? Like, and let's take Jackson State out of it. Like, we see it all the time. And I've seen you debate on your Facebook about the, the benefits of a PWI versus an HBCU and vice versa and all this <laughs> other stuff. Like, so, like, but there's a real insecurity. And I think that's what really we're looking. Let's, I have a therapist, and my therapist always says, um, Let's talk about the issue, you know, not the problem. Because mm-hmm. the problem, you know, is what it is. But the issue is like, why did you react the way you reacted to that? And the reaction I of, I think, mm-hmm. what you touched on when you see is inherent how black people, especially black alumni of all HBUs um, across the spectrum, feel like you went, what, what, the, what do you mean greener pastures? HBC, like, you know what I mean? Like, what do you mean greener pastures? Like, you know? Right. That's how right. I keep seeing. You saw the same thing, Isaiah. It's it's the insult. It's when when you when we hear you left the HBCU to go to a PWI for greener pastures, it's kind of like a slap in the face in a sense. And I think what a lot of I, I'll try to speak for a lot of my fellow HBCU alums, it's the respect factor, and it's um, not only as African-Americans, we're already felt as second class citizens now because we're African-Americans that attended a predominantly black institution. We're still thought of as second class citizens at the same time. Um, so it's more of I think the insecurity that you reference is a respect factor 
that we look for from those that went to PWIs. Um, not and, and it's in I hate that it's developed into this because initially it, it it was a feeling of disrespect from predominantly white culture. Yeah. But it turned into this disrespect from our own culture, from our own fellow African-Americans that went to PWIs compared to going to HBCUs. And, there, you know, I don't buy into it. I don't believe in it. I, my, I have best friends. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not even going to go into all that. I think no differently of you if you went to a PWI or if you went to an HBCU. But I've seen that pain and that hurt firsthand from that feeling of disrespect from others that did not go to a HBCU. Both have their benefits. Both yeah, offer definitely. both offer pillars of excellence in, in their own in their own way. Isaiah, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I go to therapy too, and one of the things you know when you go to therapy, and I, it's funny that you said insecurity because. I think people will just throw out insecurity and not really understand how to detect it, mm-hmm. you know, but I think when you go to therapy, you can, you, you start to understand how to detect, oh shoot, this person has an insecurity about X, Y, Z, you know, right. but one of the things that when it comes to a respect factor that I've had to learn is that how you represent yourself is how someone is going to treat you. Yeah. And so not saying that, Jackson State didn't represent themselves accordingly or properly. But when I see a lot of the hate from people that went to HBCUs that 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 are now attacking Dion, it's oh, you just leave to go to greener pastures. Oh, you you do the exact thing. You just un I saw somebody call Deion Sanders a cornball. I saw someone say that Deion Sanders left for money. I saw Dion, I saw people say that. Deion Sanders is a sellout in that he lied and he went to a power five school doing exactly what was the reason why HBCUs fail today. That type of talk just kind of shows a lack of respect for yourself and your institution in and of itself. One man, if one man makes your school, you got a problem. Correct. I agree with you on that. You have a significant problem because what you should have is funding from alumni. What you should have is administrative excellence at your administrative level. What you should have is endowment money. But you're looking at one man to be the savior of your school. And of a culture. And of a culture. Of a culture. And for some reason, this man is the head coach of JSU. For some reason, he's the savior of FAMU. Bethune Cookman, North yep. Carolina. <laughs> it's, it's, he's the savior of every Oops. single HBCU. Yeah, in the SWAC conference. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, 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 and to my point, real quick, as I say about you got to have respect for yourself. If you truly believe that HBCUs are great and, and there's excellence, black excellence there, if Dion leaves, you say, Congratulations, Dion. Proud of you. We're going to go get another coach. We're going to run back this. We're going to win the SWAC. Yeah. That shows pride. And when you show that type of pride in yourself, people start to respect you as such. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any, I mean, respectfully, I went to PWI. Jimbo Fisher leaves Florida State. The the boosters is like, all right. Bye. All right, but yeah. leave. Yeah. We'll get somebody else. 
Yeah. We got we got Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart didn't work out. Oh shit, panic, panic, panic. We get my we fire Willie Taggart. We get another coach. You're not gonna stop the culture of winning. We're gonna figure it out some type of way. Right. But if we sat back and we were like, man, Jimbo Fisher is this and Jimbo Fisher is that and Willie Taggart is this and Willie Taggart is that, then we're showing a lack of respect for ourselves because we entertaining foolishness. If you don't want to be here, go. I wish you the best. But what we're going to do right here is we're going to win. Right. And I just wish I saw a lot more of that from the Internet. And I know, I know the algorithms, you know, we get an echo chamber or whatnot. And I did see a lot of positivity, but I saw a lot of people act like this man was Jesus Christ of HBCUs and that him leaving was the downfall of HBCUs. Have some respect for yourself. Right. You come from a, 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 a lineage of great history. You are going to make it HBCUs. JSU, you're going to be all right. Yeah. Family, you gonna be all right. People leave. But hey, <laughs> if I can usher in some camera, people leave coaches every day. People leave schools every day. B, you be you tough, right? <laughs> with some water, with and, some juice. <laughs> and Isaiah, Isaiah, as an HBCU alum, I agree with you completely. Mm-hmm. Dion, thank you. Appreciate what you did. Appreciate the sponsors that you brought in to the school. Right. Appreciate. The exposure to swag. that you brought, yeah, a lot of white people didn't even swag. know what swack was. They'd be like, "What is what is swack?" They probably didn't even know. Didn't know what the swack was. Listen, listen. A lot of people looked on the map and didn't even know where Jackson State University was. Let's keep it bro, a buck. I thought they were feeling the MEAC, bro. I was confused of what the yeah. swack was, bro. Let's yeah. keep it. A, let's keep so it a buck. Look. No, let's keep it a buck. Let's keep it a buck. Let's keep it a buck. How often does somebody from the swack get a Power Five job? That's this is the first time. Like I said, this like I said, like literally, the first I've never. Is what what assistant coaching job do you want? I, not I, not I, what head coaching job do you want? What assistant coaching job do you want? This is hey, never. I've never. It's never been done. It's never been done. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we go. Jackson State administration. He came in, made a lot of noise, and he left. Guess what? Hey, sponsor, sponsor A, sponsor B. Hey, don't walk out that door. Stay right here. Hold on. We still got a lot to offer. Because that's Jackson State's job, not Dion's job. That's Jackson State's job. That's the chairperson of the SWAT conference job. Yeah. That is not Dion Sanders' job. It is not his job. He is not the savior of all HBCUs. It is a collective, to your point, Isaiah, it's that that the board of commissioners at, at Florida State University that board of directors said, well, lost that one. Who's next? Yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen, let me do. Let me, Who's up next? Let me keep it. Let's, and, let's keep it. Let's keep it even more. I'm sorry, Rob. I didn't want to cut. I didn't, I feel real like, quick. Real quick. Because, um, Cam, I told you this earlier, and I definitely wanted to make sure I made this point on the pod. Um, I compare it to um, on a lower level. If you have if you haven't been following North Carolina A&T's track team. Oh, yeah, yeah. North Carolina A&T's track team, Good. as recent as two years ago, we were the number two track team in, in all of the country. Only LSU was ahead of us nationally in all the country. Only LSU was ahead of us. The, our, um, the program was built into a national powerhouse, 
the H- an HBCU national powerhouse. We're beating Oregon. We're beating Florida. We're beating Alabama. We're beating all Florida State. We're beating all those teams in track. Just this past year, the head coach took a job at the University of Tennessee. Mm. Ironic. Took a job at the- Ironic for you. <laughs> Go figure, right? right. Very good. Ironic. My almost alum. Yeah. He took a job at my almost alum at the University of Tennessee and actually took a couple of his sprinters with him. Also, we had guys and ladies on our team that are Olympic athletes. You know what? My, I'm so proud of my university. You know what we didn't do? Cry about it. What we didn't do was cry about it. Hey, we here. We're go- we plan to stay here. Let's get some more talent. Let's keep. We're still a top ten, top fifteen program in the nation in track. Let's keep it going. My son runs track. He just ran the Junior Olympics, the National Junior Olympics. We're at North Carolina A and T this past year. Mm-hmm. So not only did my son run in the Junior Olympics, he got to go to my alum, to my HBCU, and run in the Junior Olympics this past year. Which is important. Keep, it's important because that is important. These, these Keep things the improve, momentum yeah. going. Yeah. Keep it. Don't I? I'm tired. I don't want to see these people online. These Twitter fingers cry about it, complain about it. Does it suck? Probably. And does it hurt? Does it hurt? Yes. It but just hurts, like yeah. any relationship. Pick your ass up and keep it moving. Keep it moving. Listen, I'm a, I'm a, um, keep it a buck with you, man. Like the idea that Jackson State is no longer a place of admirable place to coach is bullshit to me. Like if <laughs> anything, this should be like you should probably you should be a high recruiting ground for another coach. You yeah. should be like if because the salesman in me is like, yo, look. We done had somebody who was here and used it to propel their into another space, you know, and we have the best facilities in SWAC. You know what I mean? Like we're literally, we are, yeah, Dion left, but the SWAC, but the, the, the thing that made it special is still here. And you, and yeah. if we get, we get you in, you, uh, talking real coach, you, we get you in here, you can keep this shit rolling. You know what I mean? That's, that's why I'm confused. You telling me you can't bring in a new coach. Look at how easy the coach job is. Yeah. You already got a brand new locker room. You already got a brand new practice facility. You already got a brand new field. Right. You don't got to worry about that. Yeah. All you got to do is come in, win, and recruit. That's it. And the recruits love these the little things that y'all have already, the nice mm-hmm. facilities, comparatively mm-hmm. to like Alcorn State. You know what I mean? Like, you're, I'm sorry, you're going to have a better chance at recruiting. So, guess what? Go out there and get the coach that you need because I you can't tell me that this is not a desirable location. You can't tell me that. Like I I don't see it. And and to your point, Rob, I told you this little story too. Like I was recruited for you know the notorious I recruited for USC blew up my knee. Um, the coach that was recruiting me in the midst of the recruiting season actually went to LSU. And so then the the new coaches that got hired on at USC had no relationship with me. So they didn't have to keep my scholarship. They cut my scholarship. So when I blew up my knee, they were like, well, you know, tough, tough luck uh, for you. You know what I mean? Because we don't have a relationship with you like that. Right. Shit like that happens all the time. There are scores of people. So I was left but going to Sacramento State. I didn't have anything. I didn't have a secondary option. 
there are millions stories of millions of stories of kids because coaches decide to leave. They don't even tell the kids. They just leave. Like mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying they didn't. They don't say, like, "Hey, Kamar, I'm gonna take you to LSU with me," because I don't. I don't recruit it. You know what I mean? I didn't get that call. I didn't get that call. How and how many kids don't get that call? Mm. You know that that's the reality. That's the ugly part about college sports. That's why mm-hmm. I'm like I don't understand. Like I'm like when I hear people talk about college sports and this romanticism, I'm like, do y'all understand how ugly that shit is? Like that's a really ugly sport, bro. It's so ugly that every year these students have, they're on a one year scholarship every year. Mm-hmm. They can lose their scholarship yeah. every year. Semester by semester, actually. Oh, semester by, semester by semester. That's an ugly sport, man. So what are y'all even talking about? This romanticism and this loyalty. That shit don't exist in this world. That shit is fake. It's fake news. It's fake. In, in, I'm tired of seeing our culture latch on to a quote-unquote savior of the culture. Yeah. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. Why do we think that one man is going to change our whole trajectory on how the world views us? It's the magical Negro. On how society views us. It's the magical Negro. I got it because they didn't listen to the new Kendrick Lamar album. <laughs> there is a, I'm serious. There is a song on there. That yeah, says, it's a savior. He's not hey, your savior. Savior. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and it's like, you listen to it, you bop out to it, but you're not hearing the words that he's yeah. saying. Are you really listening yeah. to what the message is? It, and he's telling, honestly, that's a fitting, that's a fitting song for this pop. In, in every other culture, does not do that. I don't see that from any other culture. We don't Everybody do else goes at it from a collective mindset. Exactly. They come at it as as a as a team, as a leadership. They adopt a leadership of members to come in. So that way, if by chance one person falls out, look, next man up, next woman up, replace. Let's keep it move. Keep keep the goal keep the vision, keep the focus moving. And we don't need one person to quote unquote, be our leader. Let me show you let me, let me give an example of how that is actually being shown in professional sports by a person, Andy Reid. Andy Reid does that very, very well as a professional football coach. He has positioned Eric, the enemy uh, in a position of power. And he's basically like, Hey, it's, it's I'm the CEO, Eric, Eric's the offensive coordinator. He puts his assistants out in the forefront. I'll be honest with you. I don't really like Bruce Bruce Arians like that as much, but that's one of the things Bruce Arians used to do as well with Brian Leftwich, with Todd Boyles. He used to just kind of put a lot of emphasis on his assistant coaches, basically saying that this isn't just a one, one man ain't the person that got us. It's not just me, Bruce Arians, that got us in the Super Bowl. It's Brian, it's Todd Boyles. And that's how you have to be. You have to come at it from a collective perspective because what if Bruce died? Bruce had terrible health issues at, at, with, with, before he got to the NBA Buccaneers and still has them. But uh, what if he passed away or something like that? Well, now the Buccaneers don't go to Super Bowl? You know, and that's the type of thing. When you're putting all your hopes and dreams into one person to change everything in the world, you're going to fall flat. All the time. Why, why is nobody looking – 
Jesus, if we just listen to music from our greats, Michael Jackson said this, looking at the man in the mirror, waiting for him to change his way. If you just simply donate it to your HBCU, you don't know how much of an impact that would be. If everybody gave $100, all the alumni of these HBCUs gave $100, what would happen? So listen, the, the, the thing is you talked about like, I want to get into Colorado in, in a moment because mm-hmm. I want to get into what you were talked about, like the difference between PWIs and college fo- and then um, uh, uh, HBCUs. But I want to stay stay in this place. This is a really fascinating discussion about black culture and the savior complex. Mm-hmm. And I really thought about it, like on my way, way home. It's the same thing when black people got upset with Barack Obama for not being this revolutionary in office. And I was thinking to myself, like, what part of that Negro's natural born history did he even show that particular identity? <laughs> like reading his books, looking at his, his persona, was he ever going to be the person to break the will? And you got, you guys are game of Thrones. Like, I mean, like break the will as far as like, and he did break the will as far as the color barrier and doing things that nobody else has done. But I'm talking about like, was he going to be the guy that'd be like, Hey, you know, now I'm in office. All the Negroes are about to get reparations. Like he was never going to be that guy. You know what I mean? He was never going to be that guy. And you know, so we had these unrealistic expectations of like who he was going to be as a president when he's never been that guy. He's mm-hmm. never been that person. And so, I mean, and it's fair to have criticisms about him in, in, in office. Like, yeah, what the things I wish he would have been more fervent on certain things. I think those are valid criticisms, but I remember going into his second, his second um, term after he won re-election. I, the common threat, I don't know if you guys heard this, black people, we said, oh, now he's got a second term. Now he's really going, he's going, uh, he's going to let some shots off now. Like, you know what I mean? He ain't worried about re-election. And it was kind of like, <laughs> hey, it's kind of the same, same as the first term, you know? Mm. You know, I see, I say you're pondering. Because Obama, I think it's the same thing. We can relate it to the JSU thing with, with head coaching, right? Yeah, yeah. People forget what is the role, what the head coach does, first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. Deion Sanders wasn't calling plays for JSU to win a, 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 no. a swag. He was just the CEO of the team. Yeah. So the question is, uh, y'all going to let the offensive coordinator walk out the door? Why don't y'all offer him a contract? Because he's the one that technically got y'all a championship. And that's like actually that. who Dion wanted to run the team. He said, I want this guy. He said, it's up to the board of trustees, but he's the guy who I think should take over the team, the offensive yeah, coordinator. People never understand how, who are the players mm-hmm. and how everything works and moves. Mm-hmm. The reason why people put this kind of weird savior thing into Barack Obama is because they don't understand governance. Yeah. They don't understand checks and balance. They thought that Barack Obama was going to be a king. Yeah. That's not what he is. He's explained that in his books. He's There's a lot of things that Barack Obama wanted to get done, but he didn't have the Congress for it. He didn't have any of these things. Right. I'm pretty sure there's tons of things that Deion Sanders wanted to get done. But he really didn't have that much of a reach to to get those things done per se. Right. Didn't have enough funding to get those things done per se. That happens, and it's it's just weird that we do as a culture put all our stock into one person, but then as a culture we also don't even understand 
what position they're in and what they can technically affect and what they can affect. So I get, I, I think some of the criticism against Barack Obama is fair, except for Kanye, you know, but we don't even talk about Kanye no more, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but, but, um, no, it, it's just, even with Dion, it's like, I, I saw people saying, I saw somebody say, and he could have stayed, he could have did more. I was like, more. <laughs> and it turns into a question of why does it have to be him that does more? Yeah, he's not the SWAC commissioner. He's, he's not. But well, why aren't why aren't we demanding more of ourselves? Ooh, boom! Yeah, why 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 we go ahead, Rob? We so now the SWAC commissioner should be using leverage, using Dion as leverage. Bigger TV contracts. I want a bigger TV contracts for my for that's all. SEC, ACC, yeah. Big Twelve, Big Ten—that's all it is. They have bigger contracts and bigger. They've negotiated bigger contracts and bigger agreements with the major television networks. Hold on, but with it, the ESPN, hold on. CBS's. Hold on uh-huh. to that point. You don't think that the SEC uses this crown jewel of Alabama to get more money out of these TV networks, out of CBS and, and ESPN? Be like, hey, yeah. Alabama's the key. That's the crown jewel right now. They're the king of college football. You might want to, you might want to put them on your TV every week. But Rob said something that was key in the beginning of this podcast. He said, "How many HBCU students will go and say, well, University of Miami's my team?' Mm. In order for you to get those big contracts, you got to have viewership." Yeah. So JSU played FAMU, blue day, blue day ass out. That's when I knew. I was like, man, maybe JSU should be like in a baby power five conference. Cause they- <laughs> well, that, 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 that actually, that they blew them out, but that thing behind how they blew out flam, you had their players. Oh, were- okay. 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 Now we, we could get, I get what you're saying, yeah, yeah. but we, we gonna have to talk. We, that I think goes into our conversation later though. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Though. <laughs> yeah, that That yeah. is true. Yeah. But when we look at, when we look at like how many times we have to ask the question, how many times when HBCUs were playing on ESPN, because you can't say now that they weren't playing on ESPN because I know they were. Mm-hmm. You can't say they weren't on ABC because I watched a few uh, HBCU games on ABC. Yeah. How many people turned to them? Mm-hmm. Well, that's with what the ratings. Yeah. That's why we got to look at ourselves. That's why we got to look at ourselves. We're looking at one man. Mm-hmm. Why we? How many, how many games did you watch on ESPN? Right. Even mm-hmm. if you watch them on ESPN three, right? They collecting all that data and right. saying, "Dang, mm-hmm. this viewership keeps going up and up and up." Right? They got a real fan base here. Advertising dollars here. Yeah. All right. We can use that. We can use it. In other, go ahead, Rob. And other PWI conferences have used that and leveraged it. I think it's the MAC conference that comes on. Was it Friday nights? Mm-hmm. I think. So there are other conferences that said, okay, on Saturday night at 8 p.m., we're not going to be prime television against Mm, the SEC SEC. and the ACC. Yeah. So the MAC conference said, you know what? We're going to play our games on Friday night. (laughs) Yeah. Our prime time tell, And we're going to tell all our alum, and we're going to tell everybody that loves the MAC conference Tune in Friday night. We need to drive up the ratings. Yeah. The more we drive up the ratings, the more money, the more endowments, the more we can get, um, the more funding we get mm-hmm. and so forth, which equals better recruits, 
which equals better teens, which, which equals more exposure. Which also mm-hmm. increases enrollment. So let's, let's it increases enrollment. Let's, yep. So let's get into the high the idea of you know the power um, the the uh, uh, power five and HBCU. And you mentioned Isaiah about how like that dirty game. And you said, and we're going to transition that into like Colorado and what they're looking for for Dion. But like, do you do people understand that what you're asking of an HBCU to compete with? A power five, you don't want them problems. Mm-hmm. Like that is a dirty game. Like, <laughs> like it's a nasty business. Like that is a nasty business, and you don't want to be competing. Like I, I saw somebody a couple a year or so ago. Like man, just a couple more years, Dion can get them recruits, and he might be able to play against a guy like like Nick Saban. And I'm like to myself, let's say in an ideal world. In an ideal world, he gets uh, he gets about a fifty Travis Hunters, like you know what I'm saying. It was a top, was a pro, like he gets about fifty of those type of players. You don't want to. You don't want. You can't compete against a guy like a team like a, a alumni base as Alabama. You don't want to compete against a, a a school like Alabama because Alabama would rob, steal, and kill in order to make to keep it going as Alabama. You know, like they will put a billion dollars if they have to. Let let us JSU beat Alabama. I bet you that alumni will find another forty, fifty million to put on them facilities in order to make sure like this will never happen again. Hey. Mm-hmm. Yup. <laughs> yup. And I've been one of those dumb alumni to, at, at, for a PWI to be like, oh hell no. Nah. We not finna lose like this. Here's yeah. two hundred fifty million. Because <laughs> like, like, yeah. yeah. Florida State football is my Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not going to ruin my Saturday. No Listen, you will literally see alumni, alumni money goes up when 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 um, teams lose the bad, when their team loses the bad team. They're like, wait a minute, that we can't have this. This is embarrassing it's, for us. This is embarrassing. It's a fear. It's a natural fear from every PWI, every football season. It's those first couple weeks in the season yeah. where you thought you you took on a cupcake. I think it was um, Appalachian I mean, State. Say, the famous Appalachian Ooh. State, yeah. Caught him. Caught him. Caught Michigan. Next thing you know, Michigan's like, what the f- just well, happened here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, they're power, now they're in a Power Five conference now. Like, yep. State. Yep. But, I mean, yeah. that takes a it's a man it's a dirty game to get in there yeah it's dirty yeah. and i don't and, and i just don't know if that's i don't know if that's our that should be a part of our culture we we already got some things that we need to address in our culture yeah we don't need to imitate bad habits of other people's culture right because yeah. to, to be a, to be a like the ideal of an hbcu is to give opportunity in spaces that you know other or um, facilities or excuse me, schools are not going to be looking towards those. And, you know, there's a lot of things that goes into an HBCU student, not because they don't have the ability, but because maybe, you know, testing standards or whatnot. I mean, sidebar, sidebar, you really just now let's had Harvard law school say they're no longer accepting an LSAT because they recognize how inherently biased that testing system is. You know what I mean? Like, so you got schools who understood for decades, for centuries that testing is not representative of the student body. However, you have schools who still believe in the idea of testing. You know, just, go ahead. I, I I disagree. I know what Harvard's doing. 
I, I'm, I'm gonna keep it G. Yeah. I think with that particular thing, they don't even care about the fact that it's it's inherently discriminatory. What they care about is enrollment. And what they what they're seeing now is that there are other career paths that are becoming more profitable mm -hmm. than law. Mm -hmm. And so now they're like, oh, well, you don't even need the else to take it. Like, and I'm not trying to say that the test in and of itself isn't inherently biased. Yeah. You know, there's studies that's been done on that. But I think some of these new rollbacks, Harvard don't care about being inherently biased. Some of these big schools, these PWIs, they don't care about being inherently biased. It's another, that's why I'm saying we don't want to be a part of their culture. Like, they don't care about being inherently biased. They care about profit. Oh, yeah. And if we can get more applications, mm -hmm. how much we pay for them application fees, Kamar, for, yeah. to, apply to, to apply to this law school and that law school. Yeah. If they can get all them applications, that's profit. Um, profit. Virginia Tech, 1999, there was a, a quarterback at Virginia Tech who um, took the world by storm. And he was so dynamic that especially, um, even though they lost the, the national title game against a Florida State. Let's go. <laughs> he was this unquestionable star going in. He was a freshman, and he was the unquestionable star going into the sophomore year. In in um, time between time in time between time, Virginia Tech saw their enrollment increase by three hundred percent. Because everybody wanted to be like go into like uh, they saw the application. I'm excuse me, the applications go up at three hundred percent. Applications mm -hmm. to go to Virginia Tech, you know, and enrollment increased by like from like ten thousand to like. 15,000, I mean, to like uh, uh, another extra, like 25,000 students, you know, got it, got admitted into Virginia Tech, which is actually a hard school to get into, you know, mm -hmm. but the more eyes that were on that school increased the interest and the more, and the more interest increased it. And so you had more money, right? Because a lot more kids were going to Virginia Tech now. It wouldn't be hokey. Nobody cared about being a hokey before Michael Vick, you know? And so go ahead. I'm sorry, Rob. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. And so I, I transitioned that into, you know, um, like how Florida State, uh, excuse me, excuse me, Colorado uh, is looking at this whole situation. And I'm going to parlay it by, well, Rob, I want you to get, say your point because I'm going to play a, a, a two minute clip. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say real quick that I want, HBCUs, I want Jackson State to take note of that. And I just really want to emphasize, like, to Jackson State, to any HBCU, don't take your foot off the gas just because Dion left. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Keep driving the, that momentum. Keep driving those ratings. Keep forcing ESPN to put us on Saturdays. Yeah. Keep forcing our games to be televised. Look for that next star. Look for that next head coaching um, gym, you know, and, and, and push those and elevate those people to uh, better our facilities and better our programs and everything. Because the more exposure you create, the more marketing dollars come, the more marketing dollars come, the more enrollment comes and the better um, your school opportunities become for your for your all students, mm -hmm. not just on the football team, but for all sports all students, all majors. Right. Go ahead. You have something you want to say, Isaiah? 
Go get Chad Ochocinco. Hell, mm. now it might be difficult because his ass is in love with FAMU so much. Right. But I mean, if you're looking for a big splash of a of a uh, of a player who is proficient, that that knows the game, that can coach, most likely go get Chad Ochocinco mm-hmm. or somebody of that of that type of stature. If you're trying to make a splashy hire, the problem is Dion is Dion. And we've seen this with with some of the hires at Grambling. Mm-hmm. Change the culture there too much with with their hire. Uh, Eddie George, Tennessee State, didn't really change the culture there with that hire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, look, man, I get it. It's box office, and you're gonna get in your enrollment up at JSU when you have somebody like Deion Sanders. But it's just like a different world when a different world uh, was coming on. Yeah, enrollment and HBCUs were going up. Right. Like, oh, snap. Right. I want to go to HBCU. That's how it's like. No, it's not really like that. But this right. is a great TV show by Bill Cosby, right? right. So, but anyways, so you know, those things help. So, like Rob is saying, you've already used Dion. JSU and all these HBCUs have now, you can use Dion. Yeah. Dion was here. He shows you that the place is dope. Come if right. you want to come. Right. You know, we ain't finna beg you to come. Right. But come. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and to to that man, like I feel like um just kind of giving the overall appeal that you know we've already gotten the best out of Dion. Like first of all, Dion gave so much to that Jackson, Mississippi community, the point mm-hmm. where um, you know, gave them something to cheer about. That community literally the, their own governor don't give a shit about the city. Cause they had they didn't have running water. You know what I mean? Like that's how little people gave a shit about a the blackest city in in the country. Literally, the blackest city. Eighty three points. Eighty three point seven percent of the uh, population is black, and he gave them a crown jewel in a bottom rung state of Mississippi. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, like, people weren't paying attention to Jackson, Mississippi before then. Damn, you know what I mean? My firm got an office in Jackson, didn't they? Okay. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm just not, we do got an office there, but damn. I'm just saying. Oh, it's one of the poorest states in the, in, in the union, and Jackson, Mississippi is one of the poorest cities in, in the state. Facts. You know, and so, like, it's not it's not something like it was riddled with a, as a cosmopolitan city, right? And so to get the eyes on that particular city – in a poor state, I mean, shout out to Dion. But I want to show and continue this, the Dion um, statement by playing a. Go ahead. Real quick. I know who they need to hire. Who? You ready? Who? Brett Favre. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, sh- okay. With that <laughs> being said. I some money now. Uh, no, you some money for the school. <laughs> listen. Anyway, moving on. All right. Let me play the Dion <laughs> clip. All right. I've got to get to the Deion Sanders hire. Deion Sanders coming to Colorado. This was his introductory press conference. I have one of the best coaching staffs assembled. Some of the best scouts, some of the best kids that we're recruiting. The commitments already coming on the way as I speak. And now that I've gotten here and I see it, And I understand it, Rick, and I can grasp it, and I can touch it, and I can feel it, and I can taste it. I truly understand what you want. All you want is an opportunity to win, to compete, to dominate. 
to be amongst the elite, to be amongst the best. And darn it, I'm going to give you that. I mean, forgive me if I get chills right now. Um, obviously, um, at my alma mater, it has not been very good for a long time, better part of two decades. And now Colorado takes a giant swing in the coaching carousel and hires Deion Sanders. And I have told you before on this show, and I will reiterate this point, there is no more important hire at any university than the football coach. Period. Period. That football coach sets the tone for everything that happens at the university. A lot of people scoff at that, but there's a lot of data to back that up. I've gone through the data at Alabama and Clemson. You can go through the data at TCU and what happens at these places that put themselves on the map because they've got a great coach and a great football team. And what happens? The academics increase the level of applicant increases the number of applicants increase the number of out-of-state applicants increase it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars a year when you get the right guy at your university i haven't even gone into the program yet i'm talking about the university now we get to the program and this specific hire i could not be more excited as an alum and a guy that played at that school and loved that school, you got to keep in mind the reason I love this sport. The re- listen, I I just wanted to get. I mean, he goes on for like another three minutes and how Dion's persona, <laughs> um, when for recruits is going to rival that of like a Nick Saban and um a Kirby, you know, uh, um Kirby in Georgia and um. You know, just the bigger, big time college coaches because, you know, uh, you know his name and his uh, and his his persona is so big that a recruit getting a text message from Deion Sanders is going to automatically make them sit up in a chair. Um, but Isaiah, what are your thoughts about when he said the biggest hire a coach can use? I mean, I mean, the biggest for a university increases. I mean, the biggest thing a university can do is hire the right coach that can increase enrollment. Did you agree or disagree with that? Depends on at what depends on the school, right? right? So if it's if it's JSU, if it's FAMU or something like that, that's that's one of the biggest things you could do is to hire somebody to increase enrollment because that's what you want. At the top schools, the biggest thing you could do is to hire a coach that is going to win. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing that you can get. Biggest thing that you can do because that's going to get your booster money. That's going to get your alumni donations, all the other stuff like that. You might not get an increase in enrollment. Right. But certainly get booster money. Right. You'll certainly get the money that you're seeking to build those facilities or to build that library, that hospital that you want to build. Mm -hmm. Because if you start losing University of Miami, then you won't be able to build that hospital. Right. You know? So yeah, it's 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 something like that. Yeah. Um I I do agree that you I'm I'm fascinated by the idea of um Dion at Colorado. And I don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, they're one and 11 and you know, he's already went to the school and we don't have to play that clip, but how he pretty much told them kids, you know, I'm bringing in some new groups and then, you know, the, the transfer portal is bustling with people trying to run to Colorado. He's going to get the recruits. Um, the thing yeah. about it is 
uh, it's about a system. And I, I, it's funny. I thought about this, and then he actually brought him in, in school now. But I was like, Willie Taggart. It was giving very much Willie Taggart, right? When Willie Taggart got to FSU, I was like, oh man. I remember telling somebody in the summer, he's got a lot of swag coming in. But I mean, what's it gonna wow. look like? What's it gonna look like on that field? And 21 days in, that dude was gone. You know, and so. I was like, you know, but we saw that with Willie Taggart, um, a lot of things, he didn't run the team the right way. And, you know, as a, you, you followed the team closely. It was a lot of things he didn't do in order to really continue. It just wasn't the recruits. Cause I think he had the number 11 recruiting class in the country, but yep. it just wasn't recruiting. It was functionality of that team that they was like the, the, with the boosters and the administration like, oh, this is not going to work. Like, this is not going to work right now. And with Dion, you know, and, and funny because you hired Willie Taggart um, and he hired his um, recruitment. And Willie Taggart didn't even last at FAU, which is, I mean, damn, FAU. But, um, you know, I just want to know if Dion, we talked about him being a CEO. Is he going to run it like a CEO? Because it's, it's, you can be the HNIC at a, at a, at a SWAC Jack, Jackson State, but you can't be the HNIC at a, at a power five you gotta be the ceo yes so so here's where and i've thought about this over the past 24 hours Dion's being very strategic here so prior to this announcement let's think about the other schools that were rumored that he was going to go to mm-hmm. auburn was thrown in there never had a shot how big how big of an expectation grant in let's keep in mind um sec has no minority head coaches on top of that as well auburn was thrown in there he would have been expected to beat alabama within the first two three years of being there two huge expectations two years first year maybe huge huge expectations um cincinnati i heard was thrown out there yeah Cincinnati's a quality program. Yeah. They average nine, ten wins a year. They've already been to a BCS bowl. Already been to a BCS bowl. Huge expectations. Um, USF, I think, was thrown out there. That's tempering those expectations a little bit more. That would have been that would have been bad for him. You know why USF would have been good for him? Because he had to recruit. Now you're recruiting in Florida, you think Florida State fans are going to... You're recruiting in ACC and SEC territory. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Let's think about this. Okay. Colorado's swinging for the fences here. Yeah. What expectations are at Colorado? Zero. Zero. You just mentioned they literally were 1-11 last year. That man can walk on campus and bring home four or five wins next year and be like, things are looking good for Colorado. Things are looking, things are looking up. We're trending. Things are looking up. We're trending. It's really looking positive in Colorado. We're five and Beyond's six. doing a great job. We're five and he six. Has, he has so much leeway mm-hmm. at Colorado. Because initially I was like, man, I'm really surprised he took that job. But when I really thought about it and broke it down like that in my head, I was like, Oh, I see what you're doing, Dion. Okay, it's not going to be about recruits. You, recruits are going to come. You, the rec- you're going to get the recruits. You're giving yourself time to acclimate to the big stage now. 
because you're going to have four, five, six-year leeway at Colorado. As long as you just slowly give them, you know, by year three, you even get into a bowl game. All you need is six wins to get into a bowl game. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. If by year three you're you take Colorado to a bowl game, you're killing it. Let me let me let me put it like this. Rob knows this. Isaiah, you may or may not know this. I am one of the last Mohicans of the a Sacramento Kings fan. <laughs> Big Sacramento Kings fan. If Mike Brown gets us into the playoffs, I don't care if it's <laughs> forty one and forty one, he will never have to pay for a meal in Sacramento again. Like we have not been in the playoffs in sixteen years. We have no, we have no uh, playoff history at this point, right? We're that low of a team, and so like you bring in somebody, and now we're like, you know, I'm not gonna lie, you know, since as it's, as of this date of this podcast, we're the second best team in NBA since October 29th. All right, so we're winning some games. Shout out to the Sacramento Kings, but you know, we had such little expectations going to that season. This season, well, we had high expectations, but we had excitement, you know, like excitement of like he's changing the program and to go into a program that is not used to winning and to just win a little bit, just a little bit. Oh, God, that fan base is going to go crazy. They're going to go crazy, you know, and he's going to partly Dion is not an idiot. I said on my um, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter and Facebook, college football is a fickle beast. If Dion fuck around and gets them four wins this season and then eight wins the next season and then ten wins his third season, Dion's gone. He's not gonna be around the fourth season. He is absolutely he's absolutely gone. By the don't let them get what's into up, the, Florida State. Yeah. What's what's good? What's good? Come <laughs> come and get me, Florida State. Come and get me. Daddy's coming yeah. home. Daddy's coming home. You know, like yep. like I Three years, if he changes that program in three years to uh, to double digit wins, he's he's absolutely gone. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, hey, Jackson State alum, it's not y'all, it's him. Mm-hmm. He's gonna do the same thing to Colorado. If his plan, his plan is to do the same thing, Colorado, go in three years and then see what the next big fish he can reel in. Mm-hmm. That's just that's prime time. Mm-hmm. That's that's prime. Yeah, I think if he can if he can do or make some change, I don't know if it would change the the position as it relates to with Florida State because it depends on what Mike Norvell does. At right. If he can come in and 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 make some major changes at Colorado, I think he would be uh, considered for many many new positions in the future. You know, it's just it's just whether or not he can actually get it done. Do I think he's going to act like Willie Taggart? No, Willie Taggart came in, oversold the program, yeah, um, and and never had the cachet to be able to do the things that he was saying that he could do. He's not he's not as big as a recruiter as as uh, Deion Sanders doesn't have as big as big of a name as Deion Sanders, and I don't think Deion Sanders is coming into Colorado thinking that this is going to be easy. Yeah, which I think Willie Taggart made the mistake of doing. Oh, Florida State, I'll be able to get some people from the state of Florida. And he no, didn't. He didn't like realize that. that Jimbo Fisher had raided the the pantry at that point. He didn't realize. He didn't realize that at all. Which is that talks to it. That's one of the reasons why you want a coach to hurry up and get over to the program to check out the facility, check out check out the roster, everything to figure out what's going on. 
before you start running your mouth to the media and to the press. Mm -hmm. Now, to be clear, it's very difficult to doubt what Deion Sanders is going to do at uh, Colorado because he tends to always do well wherever he goes. So, you know, this might not be any different. And he has that type of talent to be able to do that. And I think if if you had somebody for JSU, if you had somebody in your building with that type of talent, right, and Dion, who no matter where he goes, he succeeds. I think JSU has to adopt that same mentality of no matter who we have coaching here, we're going to win the swag. Yeah. No matter what. Now we might have one down year, but we're gonna pick back up and we're gonna keep it going. Right. I mean, I believe Dion said in his speech, hey. Before some of y'all jump into a transfer portal or try to go to the draft, have a conversation with me first. And, you know, we'll have that conversation to tell you because some of y'all need to stay put. Right. I mean, that's a very real conversation um, to have with young men. And it just shows that he's continuously trying to protect young men from making poor decisions. So I actually, I'm, I'm so mad I didn't mean to get into this conversation earlier. Fuck it. We'll just get into it right now. His... Why was it so important what he did at Jackson State with those young men? And I and let me start this off by saying, um, what was beautiful about it was inherent within. Um, we know this in black. A lot of those young men didn't didn't grow up with fathers in their homes, and you saw how he really came in and he talked to them as a father figure to the point where he even brought in Brittany Renner, you know, to talk to them about like. You know, the the, the pit the pitfalls of, you know, what I mean, of groupie culture, you know, what I mean, and IG, IG women culture, like, like he talked to him like as men, like where nobody else would talk to him about that. Like if you had like you have a son, Robert, you know, there's going to be time when you're going to talk to Ryan about certain aspects of the uh, of how to deal with certain type of women. He's yeah. not he's not there yet, you know, but he had the benefit, you know, of having a father who's going to talk to him. Certain way, Isaiah, your father talked to you. I'm sure mm-hmm. about like about certain aspects of life. You know, what I mean, you have the benefit of having your father in your life, and when you have a child, I'm sure it's the same thing. So, a lot of those kids didn't have that, and he he talked about financial literacy. He brought in financial literacy. He, he he brought in different speakers to talk about different things that didn't that far exceeded football. You know, if that's something that I am going to be disappointed, I'm like, I hope they or at least I hope they continue. You know, what I mean, continue that mentorship of those because 99.9% of anybody who goes into college football, they're not looking at the NFL, you know? Mm -hmm. So like it's the other aspects of that coaching that I think are important coaching about life that I am, if I'm going to be disappointed about him leaving Jackson state, it's like those kids, they needed that. And, Mm. you know, I, I, and we look, and this is, you know, he's not our savior. We talk about he's not our savior, but there's something inherent within black culture is we black men, we don't have a lot of aspects of positive figures in black poppy culture black for black men. We don't have that. Like it's weirdly it's weird. Like, you know what I mean? And so like we it makes sense why we graph on to figures. You know what I mean? Because we see like, okay, that's an ideal. That's an ideal I want to pattern my life after. I want to pattern my persona after. And a lot of those kids, they probably saw Dion as the ideal. And so that's where I, I only, if I had to, if I had to lend a Christian, like, man, I wish he would stay another two years to at least 
give those kids that he brought in, you know, those those for the four year cycle to kind of let them uh, finish out that cycle. But, you know, uh, that's me. That's being greedy. You know, what I mean, um, but that's the only thing I would say, like, what, what are you guys thoughts on that? I know I kind of threw that in there at the end, but um, Rob, what do you what did you what do you think? I do. I think even, albeit he was only there for three years, mm-hmm. I think he left an impression on the young men that were there mm-hmm. enough where they could carry that momentum and carry that energy forward in their lives that the other men that were around Dion, the assistant coaches, the other personnel that were around Dion, he already laid the blueprint. Now carry, like, keep it going. Right. Just keep it going. Like, kind of like pick up the rock and, you know, to keep it football analogy, keep keep on toting the rock. Keep, keep it moving. Right. Like, it's not is you don't need to reinvent the wheel now. Right. You know, if he if he if he left that huge of an impression, somebody else should be able to say, you know what, he may be gone, but the foundation is set. Let's continue that. Let's continue that strong foundation and move forward with it. Um, I expect any, you know, yes, I think you're correct in, you know, we don't have as many examples of black male leadership as you know maybe other cultures have um have but i don't want to use that as an excuse as a cop-out to us not being the best representation of of people that we can be right i think so i think we have tons of black male representation we got three black men on his on this show right now oh there you go family family men great representation and we just kind of have to ask ourselves you know, what are we doing? I think the problem is we look at a Deion Sanders and we say, we got to make that much of an impact. No, we don't. No, we don't. Right. We can enough. When you, when you get a handful of rocks and you throw them in, throw them in the, in the water, they make just as much of a impact as just throwing one huge rock into the water. Right. So all it takes us to do is to individually go out and do our best to impact our communities. I, I, one of the biggest things that I, got on and i asked this person i said so you're a graduate he was like well some 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 i'm a graduate of hbcu i said so you're a graduate of hbcu how long have you graduated how long you've been out i've been out for 10 years okay how many how many other hbcu graduates have you gotten a job well i'm not in a position of management so i can't get them a job well i'm not a i'm an associate attorney but i've gotten two member two people from family you college law working at, at the firm so how is it that you've been working at a job for 10 years, but you have no impact mm. to where you can't pull someone up? Right. You've not created a space where you can hire someone. You know? Right. Or right. not even that. You ain't got to do it from that perspective. Why haven't you gone to Great American Teaching? It's the same time for every single for every single county in the state of Florida every single year. Mm-hmm. Why haven't you gone there to speak to students in the inner city schools? And tell them about what you do for a living, so they don't have to look and say, "Well, the only way I'm going to make it out is sports, rap, and some other form of inter- entertainment." But nobody's doing that. But but we want to sit there and we want to point at this one man for leaving a leaving a HBCU when we can create our own ripples by just focusing on ourselves 
and also doing our best to impact our community. Yeah. And it's just, it's so, it's so simple. Caveman can do it. We just <laughs> overthink it all the time. Mm. We, we really just overthink it. There are so many ways to assist in the betterment of our community. There's mentorship groups that you can join. There's after school care where you can learn to tutor kids and stuff. Just pass your background test. Go ahead and <laughs> background check and start doing some after school care, you know, but people don't do that. Yeah. And we rely on, we put our hopes into one person. Mm. So I don't ever want to hear a head coach having to give half of their salary mm. to improve the facilities of the institution that they're coaching. Mm. That makes me sick. Well, you know, uh, Harbaugh did that too. Yeah. Yeah, he gave John Harbaugh. He gave his, yeah, he gave his, bo- his bonus money. That was good, bro. He was trying to buy himself some time so he can get good. Little different, right, right, bro. Little I'm gonna keep it G. Like, yeah, Taggart. Taggart did the same exact thing. Yeah. Donated a little bit of his salary to Florida State or a building facility, trying to do goodwill. Because at the end of the day, again, ruthless cutthroat yeah. is the power five. Yeah. They're looking like, man, we paying you five million dollars a year, and this is what you're giving us. Right. We get rid of. So yeah. they, they're they're looking for they're buying time. Norvell did the same exact. He took a pay cut. Right. <laughs> Doing the same thing, <laughs> trying to buy time. Now he don't have to buy too much time. Got himself a good season. He's okay now. Right. But man, when you come into the school and you start off, you got to give half your salary. Something's wrong. Right. Because you should have there's. Jackson State has been around for years. Yeah. Right. You should have enough of alumni uh, network to get certain facilities built, certain things done, yeah. but it's not doing that. People won't even donate $10 to their local HBCU. And yeah. you ain't even have to have gone to the HBCU. Yeah. My parents have given money to Bethune. Right. And I didn't go to Bethune. Right. You know? I rooted for them in the Florida Classic before I went to FAMU College of Law. Now, now I'm rooting for FAMU every single time I go to Florida Classic. Right. But, you know, does that make me a, a, a betrayer, a traitor? Sure, I don't care. But <laughs> at the same time, again, you don't have to have gone to HBCU to give money to HBCU. Yeah. So right. we have to look, of course, inward and say, what are we doing to impact our culture? Yeah. Nothing, some some of us are doing nothing. Not all of us, but some some of us are not doing anything at all. Yeah, there it is. So I want to. I'll end. I'm gonna give you all a, like a minute to kind of like, well, just give me your final thoughts on it. On, you know, the idea of the savior. I think, or you guys have already kind of given it. Like just um, the savior complex and black people and saviors, or you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we 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 pretty much beat beat that down. Like. Yeah the whole savior complex let's let's just do better um people black people mm. um it's time to take notes from other cultures and come together as a group a leadership you know we need to establish a team of individuals to lead the way and let's stop looking for the quick fix right it's not a quick fix it's going to take time and effort. It's going to take time and effort from a team of us, yeah. from all of us doing from all of us. Like, like Isaiah said, mentorship, you know, going into the schools being, you know, for, if you're, if your local school doesn't have any black male teachers, 
bring a program into that school so those black so those black students can see some positive um uh images of in in support in their in their own neighborhoods in their own communities like it's not rocket science man right let's just let's just stop looking for the quick fix let's stop looking for the savior and actually put the work in and and, and make change on our own yeah what about you isaiah look i'm not your savior Dion's mm-hmm. not your savior right kamar's not your savior rob's not your savior okay you gotta save yourself at some point and if you love your school so much, save it, fight for it, keep it intact, make sure it's, its maintenance is proper. Mm-hmm. If you love something as much as you say you love it, if, if, if you as a black person say that you love black people as much as you say you love it, you love black people, then take care of them. Right. Invest. Invest in your institution. Take care of your institutions. Right. That's all you have to do. You don't have to look for one person to save you. Right. You can save yourself. Yeah. So, and it starts, it, it only, it can start today and it start tomorrow. All of these HBCUs have websites that you can go through and put, a, some of them, you can do a monthly donation. I do my monthly donations for my church through a website. I tie it through a church. Hey, they're getting $50 a month. You know, I know that's low guys for my ties, but. Hey. No, but, but okay. <laughs> But anyways, man, you know, you can save yourself. Just keep working at it and just take it one step at a time. Yeah. Um, so I'll just say this, man, because like I said, it's been beat down a lot. You know, just I just want black people, black culture to kind of know that, um, first of all, operate within the confidence that the thing that makes you special, the beauty that makes you special cannot be taken to another space. That, there, you know, there, there's an insecurity of feeling like, oh, you know, he's leaving us and you know and, and he's going to better pastures when in reality the confidence should be like i mean he's leaving the best part about himself you know which is the swag that we he he didn't deliver the swag we gave him this swag and you know congratulations you're gonna get you're gonna take a better part of yourself or you're, you're gonna take some of us and go into another space that's how beauty that's the beauty of black culture that we we are a giving culture we can um give to something and it still not take away the integrity of what makes us beautiful He's never going to be able to take away the beauty of Jackson State University and the Tiger culture. Like that's not can't be transferred over to Boulder, Colorado, right? Um, Dion, they're getting Dion, not Jackson State. And with that being said, we cannot then put um, if he's not going to take the most important aspect of Jackson State, then that means you can't expect him to be the savior of Jackson State because he's not the most important thing about Jackson State. The most important Jackson State is you as the alumni. The most important thing about HBCU culture is you as the alumni. So we have to take on better um, responsibility instead of putting it on people and projecting our insecurities onto them. You know, because really what it's saying is that we're announcing to the world that we don't really believe in the thing that we said makes us special. We don't believe in it. And we're just, we're giving a false doctrine of identity and that's something that i think you know the truth in which we have to adhere to um so with that being said it's been mentioned many times uh with you know the song so i think it's only appropriate that we ride out to this particular song uh thank you all for listening and to the next time uh we out kendrick made you think about it but he is not your savior cole made you feel empowered but he is not your savior Future said get a money counter, 
but he is not your savior. Brian made you give his flowers, but he is not your savior. He is not your savior. Mr. Morrell, give me high five. Two times cynical, defendant, judging my life. Backpedaler, what they say you do to cha-cha. I'ma stand on it. Six five from five five. Fun fact, I ain't taking shit back. Like it when they pro-black, but I'm more cutted black. Tell me where the money at, ay, where the homies at. Universal call out, I can remember only that, ay. CC, wait a minute. Ben Aki, Ben Aki, c'est la vie, c'est la vie. I tell the whole truth from A to Z, ay. Show me you real, show me that you bleed, ay. Crackers. I seen niggas arguing about who's blacker. Even blacked out screens and called it solidarity. Meditating in silence makes you wanna tell on me. Bitch, are you happy for me? Millie, are you happy for me? Smile on my face, but are you happy for me? Yeah, I'm up the way. Are you happy for me? Bitch, are you happy for me? Millie, are you happy for me? Smile on my face, but are you happy for me? Yeah, I'm up the way. Are you happy for me? Bite they tongues and rap lyrics, scared to be crucified about a song, but they won't admit it. Politically correct, cause how you keep an opinion. Niggas is tight lip, fuck who dare to be.